Hi everyone, my name is Patrick Akil, and for today's episode we cover career opportunities and growth, give you a little insight in today's tech market, and we cover leadership, what makes a great tech leader. Joining me today is Jeff Perry, who's a career and leadership coach, as well as being the founder of More Than Engineering. I'll put all the links to his socials in the description below, and with that being said, enjoy the episode. Beyond coding. A, a laptop mic doesn't do doesn't doesn't do any good exactly <laughs> yeah. so the podcast is is part of a project or part of one of the projects uh, that you're already working on what are some others yeah so um i've got a a few different um programs and things that i run with engineers and technology professionals around uh, leadership and career coaching and stuff like that so one of them is called the engineering career accelerator program mm. Um, that's kind of my my flagship program that I've been running for almost two years um, since since I created it, and and it's really about helping people make intentional career transitions. So especially with pandemic and other situations, people have been like, "Hey, you know, I'm trying to figure out where I really want to go in my career, what what's important to me, and things like this." And so we we try and look at the big picture and move through this process with. Uh, bunch of curated resources that I've created for them. Yeah. They get one-on-one work with me, but also there's, there's a group or community aspect and, and training and almost like a mastermind uh, experience with, with other people who are also moving through similar experiences. And, and we do that together through that engineering career accelerator program. Then I built some, uh, I'm in the pilot stage of building some other uh, programs or, more focused on the leadership and personal development side. I do a lot on mindsets and um, how do we actually take a, a personal shift that we want to make, whether that's um, a goal I have to to be a better leader, to, to delegate and let go more, yeah. or I need to be able to set boundaries and be able to take care of myself so that I can you know be who I need to be or to be more present with people. I mean, whatever that is, a lot of times those sorts of shifts that people are trying to make are are not quite as easy to make a change or, or learn how to do as like say learning a a technical thing like learning a new software uh, language or or learning a new uh, technical skill or something like that. Yeah. Um, in fact, uh, some some psychologists will call will sort of separate those and call one an adaptive change versus a technical change that we're trying to make, right? Okay. Technical change is pretty straightforward. You, you take a course, you do some practice, you can learn how to do something. Adaptive change means that we actually need to change internally some of our belief systems and assumptions we have about ourselves and, and our mindsets and things. And so there's some, I, I've done a pilot of, of a program that works on some of those things. Yeah. Um, also includes some things around time management, productivity, uh, building meaningful relationships in our careers and, and other areas, finding mentors. But um, so it's, it's really fun to, to see people really make some some shifts there. Um, and then we can go further with with deeper one on one coaching sometimes that, that people need as who's well. The, so who's the main audience there? Like, is it people that are just out of school, more early in career or like really experienced professionals? Yeah, usually almost always experienced professionals, people have yeah. been out um, and, and in their careers, um, maybe looking to make that leadership jump or, or into senior tech, uh, technical leaders, yeah. um, even all the way up to executive level leaders and things like that. 
with um, you know executive VPs and and uh, CTOs and and worked with a few of those VPs of engineering and so I uh, worked with a wide range of people and experiences mm. over the years but um, it's fun to see hey the principles are the same because really it's, we're still working with people yeah. who need to make some shifts need to make some changes and. Um, you know, we all we all need that that help, no matter how experienced or uh, yeah, or whatever sure. we are. Yeah, I I mean the reason why I asked is because I think the people that are more experienced in their career already, they've narrowed down kind of what they need to focus on, and usually it's not necessarily the technical skills, right? When you start off, you're like, okay, how do we resolve this on a technical level? And once you've got that down, that kind of fits in your routine; it's already programmed in you. Then you start looking outside of that, uh, and once you notice either you're not getting as much influence or you're not communicating how well you want to or things are just not happening the way you want to, then you start looking at, okay, what am I doing wrong or what can I do differently? But I think also because you're looking at experienced professionals, they've already been programmed in a way of working or a way of thinking, which is then why if you want to change that behavior, it's a lot more difficult than picking up a new tool if we're talking about skill set and tech. Right. And, and it, it can be a little bit different. I mean, I think you're right. They, they've, they've established most of those technical things they need to do, but, but the things that they need to do in terms of getting clarity as far as how they apply those things and where they want to create the impact and, and utilize their skill sets in, in different ways. And also still at that, that point, like whether they're, I've had people who are just at, you know, three to five years away from retirement or, yeah. or maybe 10, 15 years away from retirement or in, in some of their ways, still like they're, they're trying to think of what what's the legacy that I want to leave? How do I want to end this career that I'm in that I've worked so hard to to invest my time and my effort into? Interesting. How do I want to finish that? And it, and it creates different thoughts and feelings in terms of you know, what's really important to them in, in this phase. Yeah. But, but still, you go know, back to a lot of the principles that people uh, need to work on is this idea of, I call it career clarity, mm. like really defining the things that are important to them. And, and that's going to shift over time. It's not like you, you answer one question at one time in your career and suddenly you've got everything mapped out and X marks the spot and you've got every you know, this perfect treasure map to, to this perfect destination. Yeah, that would be easy. Right? But if, if it was that easy, that'd be, that'd be great. Yeah. Maybe, I mean, maybe it sounds good, mm -hmm. but also think about if, it, if things in life were that easy, we wouldn't learn and grow very much. Right? Exactly. Life would be less <laughs> so, exciting probably. Yeah. Yeah. I think we'd be bored pretty quick. Yeah. Um, so, so the challenges and, and the struggle and stuff is, is what's really good for us in, in so many instances, but, you know, but, but getting this clarity and, and we can talk a lot more about some of the tools and ways we do that um, today. I'm, I'm happy to do that. Uh, it, it's fun because it's so important though, yeah. to have a purpose driven approach, to be intentional, to be proactive mm -hmm. in terms of what we're trying to do who we're trying to become in our lives and our careers. And when we can do that, we feel like we're moving towards something yeah. that we're really driven by, that we're excited about. Then suddenly we have more motivation. We have that, that ability to push through the challenges that, that we face. And 
we also deliver more impact and we do better work in, in that situation, right? Yeah. So that's some of the things that, that I just believe uh, highly. And if we can help people get aligned with the things that are important to them, then they can deliver greater impact, which is critical. We're talking about engineering and technology, because if we can put people in the right spots to succeed and do their best work, then we can deliver those innovations that and, and really unlock their, their potential in so many different ways. Yeah, it's interesting. If I think back to clarity and what that means for me, I've usually mm -hmm. had it when I step kind of out of my daily routine, right? I think if people totally. are kind of stuck in your own routine, you get kind of caught up by time and you're in that routine. It's hard kind of stepping out of it and being like, okay, what is this routine actually? And do we need to make a shift? Does this align with my goals or what even are my goals or what do I value either in life or in a job, right? Those questions don't come naturally. You have to be triggered through something and it can usually be a book or a podcast or an audio book. For me, it's usually a conversation uh, mm -hmm. with people asking questions and I'm like, oh, my, my internal thought process, all of a sudden I need to communicate. Um, and that's when I'm like, okay, these things we actually need to work on or things get a lot more clearer when I actually externalize my thoughts in that way. How, how do you get that clarity or what is your kind of work process there? Yeah, so we can talk about a lot of different uh, areas and you, you mentioned some, but, but just because I know a lot of people who are listening here are probably doing something else. They're, they're, they're driving or exercising or, or, or doing something else. I actually put together a free resource for Beyond Coding listeners that people can go grab uh, to after or during um, our session today at, at www.engineeringcareeraccelerator.com slash beyondcoding. So, so people can go grab that and, and has a bunch of different tools and resources in, in there. I call it my career clarity checklist yeah. that, that people can go grab there. So, so as a, a free resource, we can point people to, but um, I, I think you're right. There's some sort of resource or conversation or something that is outside of our day to day that it's a very introspective or reflective process that we need to get into to, to really think bigger than this is what I'm doing right now. Yeah, And so there's a, there's a number of different tools or ideas we can talk about. One of them is getting down to that deeper level of motivation, that intrinsic motivation, what drives us deeper beyond, like we kind of, we talk, there's a lot, we talk about goals, like this is what I want to do, this is what I want to accomplish. And that's kind of a, that, that surface level piece, like maybe I want to make a certain amount of money in my career, I want to get this sort of title, yeah. or I want to live in this city or have this sort of work-life balance or whatever that is, hmm. right? But what's the purpose behind the goal? What's the goal behind the goal, yeah. right? What's the why? And so um, one of the tools that I use a lot uh, to, to help people identify that, I actually learned uh, from my days when I was in, um, so after, I, I did software for a while, I, I did mechanical engineering, but then I was in um, manufacturing for a while. And one of the things we we're always trying to do is improve quality. And whenever there's a quality issue, and you're creating physical products, yeah. and, and same with software products too, is, is you have to do like a root cause analysis and figure out what's really the cause of the issue. Right? Exactly. And, and dig deeper. And so one of the tools we use, maybe you're familiar with this, is called the five whys where you say, hey, what's the problem? Okay, why did that happen? 
and then keep asking, okay, we answered that. Why did that happen? And keep going deep, at least five levels deep, you yeah. know, asking the question why five times. We can apply the same thing with a goal and, and trying to ask yourself why that's important. Exactly. So just to use a very simple example, someone who has a goal, they want to make a certain amount of money in their career. Okay, why is that? Right. So they, they might say, you know, I want to be able to own a house. Hmm. Okay. You know, buy a house. Okay. Well, why is that important? Well, I didn't have that as, as a kid, or I want to be able to provide for my family or something. Okay. Why is that important? Well, I want to be able to give my family, you know, that they, the experiences they want, or I want to be able to, to grow that investment over time. Like whatever that is, yeah. you're going to, you're going to, uncover these you ask why again you ask why again go at least five levels we can go six seven eight levels deep but in the end you're going to come down to something that's a lot deeper than i want to make a certain amount of money you're going to come down to oh this is really important to me because of something that i believe about myself or about the world around me or something and you're going to identify that and suddenly that can become this much more powerful piece to understand this is why I've had people tell me, well, I, I want to understand and, and find that clarity and find a career that is important to me because I saw both of my parents be very unhappy in their careers. And that affected me as a child when I was growing up. Yeah. Okay. That's a much deeper level of motivation to try and figure this out and, and build a career of meaning than, than uh, just making a bunch of money. Yeah, exactly. Right? And so- so, so all sorts of things that could come up and, and that's unique to every person, but that's the beauty of it. We, we get outside of our daily routines, like we've talked about, we, we go more introspective and suddenly we can get clarity and, and expose these things that might be a little more unconscious and bring it to the forefront Yeah, and, and be driven by that. I'm, I'm wondering if you kind of peel that onion with the, with the why questions, are some of those kind of underlying goals is there uh, how do you say that are there commonalities because i would either assume that a lot of goals are, are very personal exactly with the example that you gave my parents were unhappy or that reflected on me or i always saw that stuff like that i don't know if those would be common or not what have you what have you noticed there yeah so i don't some things are common hmm. Right. When when people are trying to, to dive in and figure out, OK, why do I want to make this change? Well, a lot of people have this desire for growth yeah. um, where, where a lot of people feel maybe at some point they're they're stagnated in, in their life or their career. Yeah. And so there's this drive like I don't want to just be complacent and just stay where I'm at because I, I feel like I'm, I'm stuck. I'm not enjoying what I'm doing very much. And I'm not engaged or, or growing. And so that things like that are pretty common. Yeah. Right. Like, like the desire to continue to, to grow and improve. Um, but those deeper level of things may be connected to family systems or in some cases, traumatic events, whether yeah. at work or at home or family or other things like those are very personal and, and aren't. I, I don't see a lot of commonality. Exactly. Um, yeah. But that's also where people get a, a lot more personal and vulnerable and connected to those big goals and and why it's really important to them. Yeah. Right. So it's uh, it's important to to have both levels. We can find those common goals, 
yeah. um, those common drivers. Uh, but but the more people are willing to to dig a little bit deeper, the more impactful it can be for them. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. As you lay it out, like the goals or the the reasons behind the goals would would obviously be personal, right? Because every context is different. The way you grew up, the environment, the diversity in there is huge. So yeah, right. Probably makes sense that there's not a lot that is common there. But the thing that is common, the thing that you laid out, people feeling stuck. Ideally, you wouldn't have that, right? Ideally, you would have something within the organization that they could go to and they could get unstuck, right? Whether it's a new position or some challenging new thing in what they're already doing. Ideally, people shouldn't feel stuck, yet they do, right? Is there something from an organizational level that is lacking? Are they lacking those conversations they're having when they're talking to you? Like, why, why are people feeling stuck in the first place? All sorts of reasons. Sometimes yes, sometimes no, that there's something going on in the organization, mm. right? Um, sometimes an organization can do right by the employee by actually supporting them to, to go and do something else, yeah. right? Like for, for so many reasons, whether that's alignment with the purpose of the organization and someone just realizes over time that that's not aligned with the things that are important to them. Yeah in terms of causes or products or services, you know, whatever uh, the organization is focused on. And that's okay. Like you wouldn't want people to stick around long-term. It's not going to be great for the organization if they stick around, yeah. right? Um, you want people who are really aligned and, and that's okay. Because um, I've had people who um, had experiences in medical devices and uh, some some people really love that and like really want to go into medical devices because they have a huge passion for the healthcare industry. I had one person who specifically wanted to get out of that yeah, because they, they really just didn't feel connection to that, but they really wanted to get into green energy and, and sustainable building and things like that. And so that's, it's a different context yeah. and it's not the thing, nothing that the organization was going to change to make that better for that person. Right. So, so sometimes the organization can't do anything, but absolutely some of those conversations you're talking about, how do we engage this person, make sure that we are utilizing their strengths, continuing to give them opportunities to, to be pushed yeah. and learn and grow. All too often, I think organizations or leaders can sort of just put people in a, in a box. This is what we hired you to do. And this is what you're going to continue to do. Right. Yeah. And and just sort of hope that that person is going to run and continue to operate that way and forget to connect with the, the person. Right. They, they sort of see some of the employment uh, experiences and the people in their organization as as transactional. Yeah. Right. We're just you know, we're paying you to do a job. We expect you to do the job and, and hopefully you do. You know, you do well at it. Yeah, that's um, quite sad. Rather than shifting to a transformational approach. Hey, in hiring you, we expect you to, to do great work, but we also want to support you in, in growing and becoming who you want to be. And if we can do that, that's going to be a win-win for both of us because you're going to want to stick around. You're going to be more engaged. You're going to do great work. You're going to deliver great impact. Yeah. And, and it's going to be great for us. It's also going to be great for, for you. And so trying to take a transformational approach to, to leadership and, and employment and, and building people can have a much greater impact. And some organizations do that well, 
some some don't some sometimes it's very team dependent with especially within very large organizations yeah you know i hear i hear great stories and horror stories from from some of the biggest names in tech um and it uh you know so everyone's got different experiences um but but in all things we're trying to align the organization the team goals with the individuals how we put the right people in the right seats in the right situations yeah and so so that everyone can win yeah that makes sense it, it does when you say people see <clears throat> people see people as part of a process or as a transaction right uh, a means to an end that is quite yeah. sad and i think it's yeah. i think it is an outdated thought and i do see it shifting towards the better uh, more and more because a lot of information is out there and open and organizations will get a lot of flack rightfully so for not treating their people as people as humans right if they're treating them as part of a process then it will get out there the last few examples i've seen is because lots more layoffs are happening right now when lay when layoffs are imminent or when information is not fully transparent People go on LinkedIn, people go on Twitter, and you know exactly which organizations either are going to have layoffs uh, or are just really bad at giving out the information and putting people at ease for their job security and their their livelihood, right? Because right. you can say, oh, it's, it's not about the money. You should also enjoy whatever you're doing, but it is your livelihood. It's kind of the only, for the most people, the only source of income they have. So when it is at stake, man, it's it's incredibly bad if organizations don't don't treat that well right and, and on the other side i've seen great examples um on linkedin and other places where organization i mean sometimes the realities of business yeah. you know <laughs> layoffs need to happen right so it's it's not like a big bad business they lay off they're they're an evil thing but but sometimes that's just the realities because in order for them to continue to survive and employ anybody yeah they need to do that, right? So um, it, it's not always a terrible thing, but the you're talking about the way they go about doing that. And I've seen uh, experiences and examples of, of other sorts of companies who have done that really well. Mm. And where even through that really difficult situation, yep. employees have felt supported. They felt like, hey, the people in the organization, the leaders that, that made that decision were supporting me and helping me to create that transition, whether that's they were very willing to be references and say, hey, anyone who worked for me, even though they're not on my team, like we can't employ them anymore, I will vouch for any one of them or I'm going to open up my network and, and anyone that I can to help these people get something new. Yeah. That's a completely different approach. Um, and that's going to build loyalty even to and, and great feelings like we're not burning bridges. We're, we're creating bridges to, exactly. to, for people to the new opportunities and, and situations. And um, that that's going to win you credibility and loyalty in the marketplace, yep. as well as those, those people who they're always going to still talk about their experience at that company quite positively, even if they got let go. Yeah. Just because the realities of business sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I like the analogy of the, the burning bridges, right? Because if you create those bridges for the people that you can't keep on, right? Whatever, whatever the reason may be, it still increases your longevity of a company, right? If you all of a sudden you're up and coming again and you start hiring, either people will know because they've read something or they will remember because you've done something, right? And I think if you burn those bridges, you're all but done, right? That is one of the final things that, that happens before you actually 
go under the ground. Uh, so keeping those relationships and, and building those bridges or creating new ones, as you say, I think that's incredibly an incredibly good job if you do that as a company. Right, right. Because so much of, of business and stuff is relationships and, and just the way that people feel mm. about you, your product, your service. Yeah. And and that's going to spur all sorts of different results for you if, if you can do that in the right way. And, and how you treat your employees says a lot about how you're going to treat your customers and, and how people feel connected to that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree with that. If we if we look at the market now, or let's start with a few years back, there was a huge boom and people were being hired left and right, right? It was in the middle of COVID. A lot of stuff was remote anyways, especially in Europe, especially in Amsterdam where I live. Um, people saw opportunities that weren't there before. There was a lot mm -hmm. of overseas companies hiring, salaries went up the roof, different skills here and there. There was a lot of opportunity and now it's trending towards more recession and you're seeing a lot more layoffs happening in that way. I think it's one of the biggest kind of reality checks for a lot of people in tech that, yeah, it's not always going to be booming and you're not always going to earn your dream salary in a way uh, because I do think it's declining. Where, where do you see it's going or what, what's the trend you've seen so far? Yeah, so I don't have any crystal ball here, mm. um, but, but I still see a mix, right? So I still see some people in some industries and some functions, uh, you know, demanding and, and getting big salaries and, and huge pay increases and things like that. Yeah. Uh, but but you're right. I mean, that was that was really inflated. It was really hard for people, for companies to keep people. There's a lot here in the U.S. and I don't know how much this trickled into conversations in, in Europe and things talked a lot about the great resignation. We had more people quitting their jobs, you know, during that time, especially like 2021. Yeah. Um, than, than in any other period in the last like 40 or 50 years, like deciding to move to something new. And that's, yeah. that's whether they, they had a new opportunity or they were just saying, you know, going through all COVID stuff and saying, this is not how I want to live my life. I got to take a reset. And sometimes they just quit with nothing on the other side. Um, all sorts of different reasons. Uh, but but higher rates of people leaving than, than at any other point in, in the last few decades. Yeah. And but but absolutely, as we've come in here, some of the economic, you know, things have, have trickled through the, the system with a lot of inflation and other things. There are a lot of business realities, some of the some of the economic things cooling down for mm -hmm. companies. And and some of that's purposeful on the economic side, because to reduce inflation, you need to reduce demand a little bit. And so business revenues are going to go down, yeah. which means that businesses need to relax some of their opportunities as far as, you know, how many people they can employ or how much they can pay, yeah. right. To be able to continue to operate. So yeah, some of that is absolutely happening. Uh, it seems like almost every day there, there's another layoff that I hear about. And sometimes at very large companies, mm. uh, or, and certainly, you know, startups and things are, are feeling it, but, um, so, so there's this mix, right? So, so some people are, um, having that hard time being, being let go and, and some people have great opportunities and, and it's about how can an individual yep. align and figure out how do they navigate whatever the market situation, because some things we can't control, right? We can't control the market situations, what we can control is how we operate inside of it. Yeah, exactly. How we go about doing that. So whether that's 
you know, a really hot market? How do I find the best opportunity and, and you know, maybe, you know, uh, you know, use that as, as, as an opportunity to, to get a, a higher paycheck or, or find a, a new opportunity that might not have been available for, before. That, that's a great opportunity yep. in a more constrained market. Okay. There's still plenty of jobs out there. Plenty of people are hired, but, and, and how can you still optimize and figure out how do I go back to those clarity principles? How do I figure out how to find something that I'm aligned with? Yeah. And I'm excited about that I can utilize the great skills I have and also grow upon them mm. and deliver great impact. And, and if you can do that, well, you're going to get paid. You're going to get paid well uh, because you're delivering impact that, that someone needs. I like to say, if you're trying to find a new career opportunity, uh, one of the best ways to think about it is, is how do you become the solution to a problem that needs to be solved? Yeah. Right. Every, every position in a company uh, is maybe a new position that's open or, or a position that already exists. Like you're expected to solve a problem inside of that company, mm. whether that's a capacity issue or particular skills or new technology that needs to be built, whatever that is. How do you posi position yourself as a solution to the problem that a company needs to be solved? You can show that you align there, then you're going to have opportunities. Yeah, sure. I like that because that's, that's the reason why a company exists as well, right? To solve a certain problem. And you Absolutely. do that by creating a group of people that have the skills to solve that certain problem, right? And sure, bringing together that group of people is going to create new problems. But then again, you bring people to solve those problems, either tools or solutions. Um, you can be part of that as well, just figuring out what the problem is and, and how you fit within that puzzle that eventually solves that business problem as well. Uh, right. What I think is right now the tech landscape is, is quite huge when it comes to different technologies, right? I am a software engineer now. I didn't start off like that. I didn't. I had no clue what I wanted to do. It was through experience <laughs> that I learned and that I grew into the position position that I have now. But I do notice that at some point when you're an engineer, the focus on growth is not as heavy as it is in the beginning, right? Getting to that experienced professional level it's pretty clear on what you want to work on because a lot of those skills are the technical ones, right? Being actually able to solve those problems on a technical level. But then as you want to grow beyond that, it's usually for me or for what I've seen, it's either increasing your sphere of influence and you can do that by being the best tech guy, basically knowing the tool sets that are current and that are probably going to be future-proof uh, and being able to adapt on a technical level. Or are you going to go more high over, right? Inspire, be a visionary, and multiply the people that then do more of the technical responsibilities. Um, I think those are the two, but I don't know a lot of organizations that offer either or both within the same organization, right? It's quite sad that you actually do need to sometimes transition to a different organization, even though you don't want to all of the time, uh, before you can get that opportunity. I don't know why, though, because I think if organizations focus on personal growth a lot more and offer, offer up those doors to new opportunity, people wouldn't have to transition that much. Yet they don't, so people do. Yeah, so again, sometimes it's just business realities. There are some times that the, the next level of growth for a person mm -hmm. just isn't necessarily a need for the organization at the time, Yeah, right? Because the organizational size and what they're working on, like, 
you know, that, that next step just is not a need for the organization. So, so, and again, that's not necessarily that anyone is doing wrong, Yeah. Um, you know, and the organization should support them. And okay, if that's the right next step, then, then go do that, please. Um, and that's going to be great. And, and if things change and you, you go learn some new skills, then and we'd love to have you come back because we love you. Yeah. Uh, and we, we'd love the, the work that you do. Right. So, so maybe again, we want to keep those bridges open. We don't want to burn, burn those bridges, but um, plenty of organizations that are huge, right. Opportunities abound in all sorts of different uh, functions and, and skills and levels of employment and things like that. Um, again, sometimes lose sight of, you know, and, and maybe within a team mm. that leader and a person that, they have a stewardship to grow. Maybe it's just really focused on, again, that transactional piece. Like, hey, I need yeah. this person. To do this. And if I leave, if they leave to go to do something else, well, then they're going to, uh, then I'm not going to have them to do this. And that I'm going to have to pick up all that slack and all that stuff. So they, so they like clamp down more yeah. and more instead of helping that, you know, person grow. Um, or sometimes uh, from a leadership perspective, one of the things that, that technical leaders, especially, I find really struggle with is this idea of letting go mm. of some of the technical pieces um, that that they may, you know, because they've grown up, become great technical experts. Yeah. Right. But to as they start leading teams and multiplying that effort in that way, not actually giving that responsibility to others, mm. they hold that back because they want to hold on to that control. Well, that's actually diminishing their ability to grow, and it's actually holding you back from your own growth. By yeah. the way, um, and and by the way, when you hold on to things like that, you're actually more encouraging people to leave because they're not going to see that growth, and and it and it makes it even worse for you and for them. Is so, it is it because people don't want to let go, or is it because they don't know what they would do otherwise? Could be both, hmm. right? Yeah. Either way, it's kind of fear, fear driven. Exactly. Right. Because if, if I don't know what's on the other side of of me owning, you know, a certain level of technical competency, then then that's, you know, me holding on to what's familiar. Exactly. Instead of being willing to embrace that uncertainty, and and grow in that way. Um, but but sometimes it's control, and so so again, the same behaviors could be driven by different motivations in different people. Hmm. In order to really make that shift, we need to uncover the, those deeper challenges, those things that are holding back. It's almost like tethering us back from, yeah. from making that shift so that we can bring that forward and actually let some of that go. And, and there's some processes that I get to work with people through that and some of the coaching work. And so it's, it's fun to see that people you know, kind of have realizations of things that they didn't recognize that were really holding them back before. But when we can make kind of the unconscious conscious, Yep. That awareness allows us to to start really making progress. Exactly. I think it's it's getting more difficult as kind of technology emerges and as there's more stuff to do on a technical level, more problems to solve, to figure out where your place is within this. And I don't think there's going to be an end station. I think it's more that probably, as you said in the beginning, as you're building your legacy, you're going to have a few stops, right? And those stops can be different positions. They can be lateral moves or vertical moves or more with people or more with tech. I think people, if people see it more like that, they'll be more happier in the current because that's also an opportunity to learn from, right? You're not going to be yeah. um, 
in your best position or in your ideal position all of the time, but all the positions you're in, all the opportunities and the context that you're in, you're going to learn from and you're going to grow from and you're going to bring that with you, right? It's not a lost um, kind of experience because all experience makes you who you are and you get better because of that. Absolutely. You know, make the comparisons to, to the products or services we work on as engineers or technology people, right? So we go through prototypes. We, we, we create MVPs, you know, minimum viable products. Yeah. Um, and when we put something out in the world, we, we go through an iterative growth and change and improvement process on the products and services that we deliver. Yeah. Well, same thing about our careers and the situations that we find ourselves in. Every stage is sort of like a prototype, right? It's, it's not an end state necessarily. It, it is a current state, but, but we're collecting data. We're learning what's working, what's not working, and how do we want to con- grow and continue to, to progress? And, and some of that we, need to, we want to be deliberate about, intentional, and say, this is where I want to grow and take my, my career and things yeah. I want to try out, new technologies I want to learn, new skills I want to build, right? But sometimes there's, you know, uh, new things come our way, and so we also need to have an emergent approach to allowing things to come our way to explore. Hey, I didn't expect this, yeah. but this is something interesting that I might want to try. I might want to explore. I might want to learn more about. And, and that happens again in the marketplace with products and services we're, we're building. You know, something comes our way. We didn't expect that. That's not necessarily our, our product strategy, but it came our way and we're like, okay, we need to try this. Yeah. Same thing in our careers. We, we're, again, we're not going to map every single step along the way. But we can have sort of a direction, maybe a north star that we can be pointing towards the things that are important important to us, but also be a little bit emergent as as things come our way and, and say, hey, this is you know let's explore this. But but at any point we continue to reevaluate and say, is this working? Is this not working? What are the things that I'm really enjoying? Yeah. Or areas I want to grow, and then we can map out what's essentially the next prototype, the next iteration, the next experiment I want to run in my life and my career. Mm-hmm. And we can take intentional action, try that out, whether that's within or without your current organization and, and take that step, collect the data, see what works and what doesn't. Like, don't feel like just because you're in one function now that that's where you have to be forever. Yeah. Like you, you can make those changes. You can try new things. Absolutely. Um, as, as we move through these different iterations and, and stages of our lives and careers. Yeah. I really like and I, I really subscribe to the thought of that kind of experimental mindset, right? I'm doing it. That is also my output. Lots of experiments, and that's how I explain it. But my life and the stages that are in my life for the stops that I have, those can also be experiments, right? And gathering that data and learning from that onto the next one. Um, I like that mindset a lot. What I'm really curious about, and it's also because it has to do with my personal career, is how people that are more technical-oriented or have that technical background transition into becoming technology leaders, Right. Mm-hmm. I have seen leadership, I've seen management, and I'm not saying they're bad. I'm saying there's a mismatch in what I expect and or because I'm doing the work, what, what I think and expect of them versus probably what they expect of the role they have. Right. And if there's a mismatch, then usually people say, well, they're bad managers. Uh, but I, I more so see it as there is a mismatch and it's not going to be filled by itself. So either we can have a conversation and that mismatch is going to stay. Um, or we can grow towards each other, hopefully, because that would be the best scenario, uh, and be a better organization or team or whatever it may be because of that. But I think because people transition from a technical background, they don't quite know, or at least I wouldn't know, 
um, how to be that technology leader that is expected of the people that you're leading. Yeah, that, that's a difficult thing for a, a lot of new technology leaders and even even experienced ones. Yeah. Um, they move into this new role and the role and the focus and the impact of it completely changes mm. when they're moving from individual contributor uh, as a technical, maybe a senior technical person to now they, they manage and people and projects and things like this. Yeah. Like, like the focus of what they're trying to deliver and where their impact comes from in their work is, is very different. But like you said, if you were to move into that space, you wouldn't know exactly what that looks like. It, yeah. It's a lot easier to identify, certainly as an employee uh, of a manager or something, uh, what bad management looks like mm -hmm. than to become a, a good leader. Yeah. Right. Um, but but uh, really recognizing that uh, companies have this responsibility. If we're going to put people in leadership situations, they have the stewardship to take take care of and 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 build the people and the teams and the projects that they now own. Yeah. Um, how do we set them up for success? Mm. Right. And and all too often, just kind of throw them in the deep end. And there's plenty of lessons you can learn from being thrown in the deep end and trying to learn how to swim. Yeah. Uh, recognize that that may not be the optimal way to learn. Right. To to have the you know. So, so mentorship, coaching, support, training, um, and, and also just things like standards and, and building a culture around what does good leadership look like, yeah. uh, rather than just sort of it being a free for all and hopefully everyone kind of figures it out. Um, you know, the, some of those things can, can help set people up for success, um, rather than just sort of throwing them to the wolves and, and hope they, they figure it out. But. Um, if they don't have that vision, that understanding of, of this is now my responsibility and where I deliver my best work, well, they're going to default to, again, this is what we were talking about before, they're going to have a hard time letting go. They're going to default to what they know, yep. what they've done really well for years as, as a technical person and might not actually grow into becoming that effective leader that the company and the team needs them to be uh, because it's just not something they have a vision of right now. Yeah. I can see it because it's, I see some things, some puzzle pieces are falling in my head right now. Let's say I wanted a leadership position, right? I would go, if it wasn't in my organization, I would go to the market and seek kind of the leadership position that I would want, right? Even if it's an experiment, but mm -hmm. because I haven't done that yet, because I haven't been coached, I don't have the right guidance for that. I'm already expectant or there are expectations of me being in that role, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know what they are, so I might not even be able to fulfill them. But because it's a switch in that way, nothing is gradual, right? All of a sudden, you are that person, you fulfill that role, there are expectations, whether you know them or not, and you're going to do something, uh, and that's going to have impact on more people because your position, by virtue, has impact on more people, right? Mm -hmm. If it is within the organization, which it not always is, exactly as you say, you might outgrow the organization. If the organization is not ready for your growth, you're not going to find that position within the current organization. If it is, however, I hope you would be able to do it more gradually because then you can be like, okay, these are the things that are expected of me. Let's grab a little bit more of that and gradually move in that, into that position, right? Exactly like you would do with people that are more junior. You would give them more of the complexity stuff, more exactly what they can handle, right? Not too complex, not too easy. And gradually they would grow through that. 
I think a lot of the leadership positions don't have that gradual approach. Is is that something you've seen as well? Yeah, sometimes again, you know, don't have that opportunity to to do that because someone leaves and someone needs to step in and fill fill those shoes. But in yeah. a perfect world, a good leader would have some sort of succession plan mm. and someone that that they and the, and the organization has uh, identified to, to groom into yeah. that, that position if something were to happen or if they were to leave and would already be working on mentoring and coaching someone to build the skills necessary if they were to grow in that way. And then this starts with, hey, it, you know, identifying where do people want to grow in their career? Some yeah. people want to become managers. And so we want to help them build those skills, have opportunities to take leadership of projects, maybe mentor more junior people mm. um, and have those those sorts of opportunities where they can take on those increased level of responsibilities before they get thrust right into now I'm actually managing a team. Yeah. Right. Um, but some people don't want that and we don't need to shove them into that just because they're a great technical person. Um, if that's not aligned, that, that's again, that's going to be a mismatch. Exactly. Uh, of what they even want to do, let alone are, are going to be good at. Um, yep. They're always going to be going back to that, that technical stuff because that's where they want to be. Right. Yep. And, and some people might not know, you know, or just need that, that extra time. So, so again, in a perfect world, we're identifying and connecting the, the needs and desires uh, of the individuals mm. and the needs and the future needs of the organization and helping groom people to, to become that easier said than done. Uh, you know, the, the principle makes sense, but, but it's harder in practice because we have all these you know, responsibilities of all the things we need to, to do right now. And it's easy to lose sight of, you know, the, the future of not just the business and the products and services we're working on, but, but the people that are in that and making that happen. Yeah. Um, but that needs to be a whole part uh, that we can't let lose sight of in terms of our strategy of success. Yeah, when, when exactly. we can do that well, um, and and the manager doesn't isn't the only person that owns that. As an individual, no one's going to own your career more than you. Yeah, right. So don't wait for your leader to come and say, "Hey, where do you want to go in your career? What do you want to do? How can I help you do that?" You need to advocate and ask for that if there's something you want to do. If there's you know if there's an opportunity to take on a new assignment, learn a new skill, raise your hand. Yeah. Um, take on a new project, take on a new responsibility. Um, let your leaders know what you want to learn, what you want to accomplish, and then they know, right? But but they can't help you find something or, or build something if they don't know that's something you want to do. So you also need to make that explicit and, and make that known if there are areas you want to learn and grow. So, so everyone needs to take ownership of their responsibilities and, and their part in, in this process and, and growing and developing individuals in the business. Yeah. Um, everyone can have that ownership mentality and, and we're more likely to be successful in that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely, again, I, I stand behind that, right? You are in control. There's a lot of outside factors and a lot of stuff you cannot control, but how you respond into the circumstances or the context that you're in, you're always in control. So you can choose right. how to decide or what to do or how to act. Right. And those are your decisions. You own that. And no one's going to tell you it's going to be right or wrong. You're going to make those decisions and you're going to you're going to experience yourself. Right. If it's mm -hmm. a right decision or a wrong decision in the end, it doesn't matter. 
because you experience it and you grow better because of that. That is part of how you grow. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I needed a, a second to, to gather my thoughts. What I was still thinking is when you grow into that technology leader position, right, your sphere of influence increases, what is either the single most or a few of the most important skills that a person can have or a skill they can cultivate within being in that position? Yeah, so I'm going to shift the, the answer to the question a little bit away from the skill mm -hmm. and more from the mindset and mentality as you go into a situation like that. Okay. Okay. Um, and, and, folk, and we've talked about this a little bit earlier, but again, moving from am I seeing the people that I'm, that I'm leading as, as people that I, that I care about, that I understand what they're trying to accomplish, both the people that I'm leading and also my peers, the other stakeholders, am I really considering what they're trying to do and accomplish yep. and then building that into my work and processes and things like that? Or am I seeing it all as a transaction or seeing people as objects as a means to an end? Um, and, and so that mindset and that approach to how we go about interacting with the individuals, with the teams, the stakeholders, partners and everything that, that changes, not just what we do, but how we do it. Exactly. Okay. And, and that has a huge impact on our leadership effectiveness. The other thing, uh, we've talked about this a little bit as well, but, but just to reiterate that your shift at becoming a leader, your impact is no longer in your ability as an individual to deliver a technical solution. Mm. Right. Your impact as a leader is much more measured by your ability to organize a team yep. to accomplish that technical solution. And, and your responsibility is often to get out of the way or to reduce or eliminate roadblocks that are in the way of your team accomplishing this goal and helping them align with the vision of what they're trying to do, what they're trying to accomplish and helping pave the way to make that happen. Exactly. So you're organizing and optimizing the people and their ability to, to do their work, but it's not you as an individual delivering a technical solution anymore. And so you have this now responsibility to, to shepherd and grow, grow the people. And, and so it goes back to the same mindset of caring about them, yeah. caring about what the organization's trying to, trying to accomplish rather than you being seen as the hero and coming in and solving the, the, the technology problem like you want to enable them to do that rather exactly. than coming in and being a saver. And I see that all the time with, with new leaders, like, you know, a, a junior person, you know, comes and they have a problem like, oh yeah, let me just fix that for you. Because in the moment, yeah, it seems faster for me to just do that for them because I yep. know how to do that. Right. But that doesn't help them learn and grow and develop and become, uh, you know, a, a better member of the team. Yeah, you just solved the problem. You you fished for them. You gave them a fish instead of taught them how to fish. It, exactly. That old saying, uh, right? And so we want to teach teach people how to fish, help them grow and develop, and and it's going to be able to to improve the results as a team. Yeah, yeah. I mean, based on based on what you said, I can see now how it can be a lot harder to let go of than I thought initially, right? Because being that hero, the hero connotation already in and of its own 
feels good, right? It's probably a bit yeah. addictive. You're the guy that solves the problem or they call you when they have a problem because they respect you and trust you to solve it. Um, all of a sudden, they don't do that anymore. You need to be responsible for the hero team all of a sudden, which means you're kind of probably more behind the scenes, right? You're facilitating, you're removing roadblocks, exactly as you said, right? The person on stage is only that good because of the people behind them and you're going to be one of the people behind them facilitating in that way just as crucial or probably even more crucial uh but definitely a bit more behind the scenes in that way as well right and, and we talked a little bit about earlier about kind of ownership and responsibility i, I think from a leadership perspective um you want to give that ownership and responsibility to your team members yeah. um but but as far as like taking taking responsibility at w when something goes right, you want to give all of that credit to your team. Exactly. But when things go wrong, the buck stops at you. And so that's hard. Like you don't get all the credit <laughs> for all the wonderful things that your team accomplished. Like you want to you want to push that to them and say, hey, I, I see this a lot. Um, I mean, I'm a sports fan, so I love great, great team sports and basketball and, and soccer and, yep. and American football and things like this. And I see the great coaches, mm. right, of, of great teams. Um, when, when, when a team does really well, they win a game, they will always give credit to the team. You know, the team did great. They were able to do that. And if, and if the team lost or, or something went wrong, they will always take responsibility. I didn't prepare my team as a coach to help them be successful. I made some decisions and, and we didn't get them ready to do this or that or the other. Yep. You're never pointing the finger and blaming. Blaming other people is never helpful. Exactly. If you can build people up and own your own responsibilities and 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 then move forward with that, um, your team's going to be a lot more loyal to you and and be willing to, you know, to go slay dragons for you if they need to. Yeah, yeah, I, I love that analogy. I'm going to think back to how my leaders did that actually because I don't have great examples of of what I've seen. I need to really reflect on that. I, uh, I really liked how this conversation flowed, kind of starting from career opportunities, growth and mindset, a little insight into the current job market, uh, and then how to become a great technology leader, either transitioning or cultivating those skills and that mindset that comes with it, right? Lifting people up uh, and not finger pointing and, and blaming, because that's the worst you can do. Is there anything that's right. still missing within that that you still wanted to share? Oh, we we could talk for hours, I'm sure, about different things here. <laughs> um, uh, but um, I think just just going back to every individual, you know, because because the people who are listening here are individuals are trying to map out their own career, become the person, the professional, the the leader that they want to be. Hmm. Um, just trying to ask that question, be intentional, be reflective, get outside of your your current situation, and ask who do I want to become? Yeah, right. Um, do I want to become a leader? Maybe now, maybe later. Um, if, if so, great. If not, that's okay too. Can you, you know, what are the technologies you want to learn? What are the, the areas you want to grow? Um, and how do you balance that with the things that are important to you in your personal life? Because yep. a career is a big part, but it's not the only part. We're living a whole life here. Um, and, and look at that big picture. And so, um, again, some more some more tools that people can go grab, uh, put together that the resource, uh, a career clarity checklist at www.engineeringcareeraccelerator.com slash beyond coding uh, for the listeners of the podcast. And hopefully they they go there and they find resources that can help them. Uh, we talked about a few of those tools. There's a bunch of other tools and, and uh, resources there that might be helpful for them getting clarity on what's really important to them. 
then if you can figure that out, then you can start taking the actions to, to get where you want to go. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. I'll put all the links to the socials of, of Jeff Perry in the description below, as well as the uh, the website I already forgot. That's why it's going to be there in the description below. Yeah, that's right. Thanks for coming on. And uh, we'll see you on the next episode.